With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Reason is our weapon to choice. Skeptics know that you do have a voice. Science is not so will be defined. It is what we know, so it's best to apply it. Feed you information, deposit the knowledge, so you know ignorance is not an option. Welcome to the RSS feed with your host, Rain and Rose. Skeptical superwoman, but in plain clothes. She ain't no Jane Doe, nor she a day old. So the core arguments weakly molded like Plato. Kicking false info like Kato, but it should be your J-O. You expand your mind like a transit line. Nothing is ever true, cause you think so. It's evident that you never win. Cause the evidence you present is irrelevant in the present sense. It's reckless and negligent. You never ask questions or the things ignorance is the relishes. So we spark the faith, cause you know the truth is hard to take, especially with so many falsehoods in the modern days. Oh, reality, we start to face. Shout out to the skeptics. My freak thinkers deliver cow massage. That fire and heat seekers aim that you shoot to win the legs. You weak creatures, Christian scientists, to debate evolution. Elitists of the government that hate the revolution. Armchair activists who overstate their contribution to the movement. Cause they say they have solutions. So it's best to listen to understand skepticism is the religion. And so we get a better vision of how the world works in what we call marvelous to make a better future. You know that it starts with us. Progressive thoughts, progressive talks, the sharing of ideas, the medicine we need. Another dose of the RSSD. Say what? Another dose of the RSSD. Hey everybody, it's Serena. Um, back with another installment of the RSSD. Today's show will be talking about thinking and uh, other forms of discipline. Um, not that I necessarily group thinking discipline, because I don't necessarily think that it is discipline, or at least not the greatest form of discipline. Um, I have with me, of course, our fearless leader over here at Black Free Thinkers, Kim. Say hi, Kim. <laughs> hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And you're so, not talking about the type of thinking that people get paid to do, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not so with you. I said the type of spanking that people get paid for. We're not talking about that type of spanking. Oh no, 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 no. That's that's a whole different kind of show. And we're definitely not talking about what the Christian spanking stuff like that. You know, sort of weird sort of BDSM, but like not BDSM spanking movement that's going on in some Christian circles. We're not talking about that either. So. If that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find it here. Got to go somewhere else for that. <laughs> but um, trying to get myself situated over here. You know, as much as I love technology, it always goes up on you at the worst possible time. So trying to get signed into the chat room and all that good stuff. 
So, um, but there's some interesting things going on. If you guys missed it, there are some great shows this week. Um, I didn't get to check it out yet, but I know that Kim did a really great show on Wednesday concerning the Supreme Court rulings. Um, of course, for those of you that don't know, there were some very interesting rulings that it, that it came out of the Supreme Court um, over the last, you know, two weeks, especially. But um, for one, uh, they gutted the Voter Rights Act, um, the Voting Rights Act, and um, you know, for those of you that don't know, Voting Rights Act is, you know, was put in place to protect voting rights of African Americans because we were subject to unfair voting laws. Um, you know, during the 1950s, 60s, and well, before even that, actually, um, going back to Reconstruction, uh, with you know, poll taxes. Um, with unfair literacy tests, the grandfather tests, you know, all kinds of things. Um, so you should probably do some research on that, give them yourself up to speed. Um, I know that Kim's talked about it on the show before, so you should probably find it in the archives. Um, but there was that, and then, of course, they decided um, to uh, say that DOMA was unconstitutional, except that it doesn't make marriage legal, uh, gay marriage legal across the country, what it does is, is it makes the federal government recognize the marriages of uh, gay um, couples in states where it's legal. So um, a little bit of a victory for, you know, our gay and lesbian friends, um, but not exactly the victory that we had all hoped for. I guess maybe I, it was really it was really like one of those like those unrealistic hopes that we had. We hoped that they would do the right thing. This is we hoped they would do the right thing with voting rights, but they didn't. Um, and of course, you know there was uh, the other ruling that dealt with um, the uh, or sort of the workplace and um, what the court defines as superior. Um, in relation to harassment on the job if you filed a discrimination claim. Um, unfortunately, the court decided to come, come, come with the very narrow view that a superior only counts as someone who can fire you. And of course, any of us that have ever been in a workplace environment knows that people who are not necessarily in a place to fire you can definitely make your life a living hell at the job. So that was unfortunate. But, um, you know, we have to keep an eye on what's going on politically and, and, and especially in the courts. Um, so, they'll probably, you know, there's going to be, you know, obviously some pushback, you know, keep abreast of what's going on in your area. You know, there's all, like 48 hours, not even 48 hours after the, the um, Supreme Court ruled on the Voting Rights Act, um, Texas, and I'm sure there are other jurisdictions that are moving in similar directions. Texas um, moved to approve a um, voting a voter suppression bill, and um, and there's going to be many many more jurisdictions that are going to move closer to that direction. Um, you know, the sort of after the Obama campaign and seeing how grassroots efforts and um, these extended voter registration periods and early voting and all that sort of thing, seeing how that contributes to um, more participation is something that uh, that scares a lot of conservatives. And um, 
And it should because they have really, really shitty ideas right now. Um, <laughs> you know, not to say that the democratic ideas are, like, way better. They're just better comparatively, <laughs> you know. Um, so you guys have to, you know, keep a keep an eye out for what's going on and try to get involved and, and understand that, you know, that these situations, these rights, why you don't feel like, the VRA may necessarily affect you personally. You know, it affects other people. And, you know, these are rights, these, you know, what did Martin Luther King say? I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm fumbling, but what did Martin Luther King say? He said, injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. So you should care about these issues, whether or not they, they you feel like they impact you directly. Because eventually, they, they will come to affect you in one form or another. But you should care just because you care about your fellow human beings. So, yeah, just something to think about. And speaking of thinking about other human beings, just think about the, the little ones today. Yeah. <laughs> when we talk about thinking. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, I, uh, you know, have... I, I know Kim and I both have some pretty strong feelings about um, spanking, and um, I have—I just have to say up front, I am not <laughs> a neutral party on when it comes to spanking. I don't believe in spanking. I do not believe in corporal punishment in any way, shape, or form, um, except in, except in one case, and this is the and this is the case in which you cannot necessarily communicate with your child because your child is not at the age of being able to form language. And the only reason that I say it's acceptable then is because there's really no other way to communicate danger or, um, you know, that something is, is bad for them other than to associate that with some sort of physical stimulus. So for me, a slap on the hand, a couple slaps on the tuchus with their clothes on is is acceptable. But outside of that, I don't really see it being acceptable for children who are able to communicate with you, children who have things that you can take away from them. Um, and, of course, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, I understand about um, the socioeconomics of it, and we'll get into some of that while we're talking today, but I just had to put that out there because I am not representing myself as though I am even somewhat neutral on spanking. Um, <laughs> what about you, Kim? Oh, I don't believe in corporal punishment at all, and I don't believe in it under any circumstance, And but that's me. And I also believe that we need to have a movement geared toward children, geared toward little people for their rights because in many cases, they are treated like they're chattel, like they're property, and they're human beings. And, again, that's why we've had different laws enacted, like child labor laws and a, and a bevy of other laws, to protect them, but I don't believe that we've gone far enough to protect their civil liberties. So, yeah, I definitely feel as though... Even, even when I, they can't I, communicate, like if they're touching a hot stove. Pardon me? I said, so you don't even believe in, like, 
swatting a, to- a toddler on the backside when they're about to touch a hot stove? Um, on that note, I probably would, like, tap their hand, say no, and, yeah. and send them on their way. But, you know, no. and even then, you know, I would just try to talk to the child and tell them, you know, why it's dangerous. I would try to do that before even tapping their hand because I feel funny about that as well. I believe that children are incredibly more intelligent than most adults give them credit for. And as a matter of fact, I've met some children that are smarter than some adults I know. Well, I agree with that, but I think that there's a point at which children are not able to understand, you know, fire bad. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're still... And especially little ones, you know, who are always putting things in their mouths. They're very tactile and they're very explorative, you know, they're they're very exploratory in their environment. And they don't necessarily have the experience and cognitive tools yet to make associations between things that are harmful or dangerous and, you know, possible death, you know, or injury that might, you know, come about from dealing with those things. That's why they had to invent the Mr. Yuck stickers, which I still don't think are sufficient in necessarily, you know, transmitting to a child that, you know, this is not the best thing for you, you know? But, um, but I, but I, I understand your point. I I do. I mean, I, it's not to say that I would hit a child and, you know, swat a child or swat their hands and not feel some kind of way about doing it, but there's, just there just aren't many ways to communicate with a child that young, you know. Um, right. But again, be anything to make leave a mark or, you know what I mean. So right. Just just the thing to let them know that that was not the good thing, and then they can go on about the business. But um, but yeah. So um, and I hope that there um, I hope that we have some people who call in who have their own feelings about. Um, Actually, I think Carl on the line. Let's see. I think this is Carl. Hold on. Carl, okay. is that you there? Hello? Hi, 954. May we ask who's calling? This is Emmeline. Hi, everyone. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Um, I wanted to call in for this show in particular because this is a topic that I'm really, really, really passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. I'm completely anti-spanking. Um, yeah. I do think it's a child abuse. It's a form of child abuse. However, yeah. I feel that the the majority of people who do it, um, even though they may feel some guilt um, or remorse about it, continue to do it because they either think there is no better way, they're too lazy to find a new way, or because so many other people around them are doing it, so even if they might feel that it's wrong, they will continue doing it. And I'm in the same camp as Kim. I don't think there's any situation whatsoever where it's okay. Um, I know you mentioned before that um, there's the the circumstance of if a child's too young to communicate, you you think some light swatting might get the trick done. However... My my view on that is if a ch- if that child is that young and that small that they can't communicate, you can easily extract them, like physically extract them from that situation. Well, yes, obviously um, you should. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, I still and, think I still think that to make sure that one gets to the point, you should also tell them, you know, 
swap their hands or something along those lines. But someone made an analogy like um, a little while ago about what do you know? What if the child is near some like fire or something like hot stove? Um, one thing that I thought was really effective once was you know the mother just took um, a, a small sheet of paper after she kept pulling her son's hand away and he wouldn't. Um, keep his hand away. She took a small sheet of paper, put it on the stove, and he watched it disintegrate and become nothing before his very eyes. And that sent the message home. And you know, I don't know if that's like necessarily that. going to send the message home, but I mean, because again, they're they're not they're they're still learning, so they may they may just take that as a as a oh that was cool. Let me play with the burning paper. You know what I mean? Lots of I mean, yeah, you're probably right. It could, they don't, go that, it could go that yeah. way as well. But it's one of those situations where even if I didn't do that, I would just pull the child's hand away. Um, you know, obviously nobody wants their child to get burned. Um, who knows? If it, I don't have any children, and if it came to worst-case scenario, I would think, yeah, you know, maybe the light tap is better than than them getting, like, a, a burn on their hand and being scarred for life. Um, but it's it's one of those situations where it would have to get to that point where, you know, there is no other option. There is no immediate um, recourse except to teach them through pain. But I think um, a lot of minority communities, especially the black and Hispanic communities, take it to an extreme where it's almost as if they're treating their children the way their ancestors treated them. For small infractions, they will spank a child. For large infractions, the child will get beat to the point of breaking skin and bruising the, to the point where the child doesn't so much respect them as the child fears being hit. Exactly. No, I, I, def- I definitely agree. I mean, you know, there's lots of studies out there that talk about the connections between spanking. And, and then that's a, this is another thing that we also have to clarify, and I don't think that necessarily um, this is something that is addressed well in the literature. There, we have to come to some kind of agreement on what spanking is, you know what I mean, versus what constitutes other forms of abuse. And I say that only because if we don't talk about what spanking is versus other kinds of abuse, you kind of put off people who actually engage in the spanking and you don't necessarily want to exclude them from the conversation. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think we have to be clear on what spanking is. Is spanking, you know, just, you know, swatting your child behind through their clothes Without an object or with an object, do you are you allowed to leave a bruise or a red spot? You know, um, how many I, times are you allowed to hit bruise. them? <laughs> right, how many times are you allowed to hit them? You know, what what really constitutes thinking? And that's probably that's part part of the problem, I think, because I think a lot of people are calling spanking spanking, which is really just outright abuse, in my opinion. You I know, right. and I and I don't really and I yeah. Go ahead. As a growing up, you know, I experienced and I witnessed various forms of abuse, like within my family, within the family of others, because I had a lot of, um, I grew up in South Florida, which was like a cultural melting pot. I saw mm-hmm. even strangers, um, kids being spanked in front of me because there were certain communities in South Florida where it's only, you know, minorities, and they will not hesitate to, to spank their child in public, some some of the parents. And yeah. um, other parents won't do anything about it. Um, 
even if it's really bad. And sometimes they will applaud it, like, yeah, good way to keep that kid in check. Like, you know, um, you know, giving this parent kudos for beating their child. You know, I've seen kids hit with the ham, with the shoe, with an electric cord, um, with with pans, um, with towels, with switches. And, you know, these it could go on forever. Like, right. you know, personally, my own mother um, was an advocate of spanking, but um, she stopped spanking my sister and I when we reached 12 because she thought, a child that old is too old to be hit. Um, but, you know, and I didn't get spanked often because I wasn't a bad kid, but I remember some things I was spanked for, and I didn't think it was that bad at all. Um, and, and even if she thought it was, no, it really wasn't that bad. Like, it wasn't that bad at all. And even if she thought it was that bad, she could have told me why she thought it was bad. But later on, I still didn't think what I did was bad. I just feared doing it again because I didn't want to be hit. So yeah, I didn't really learn anything except avoid this because you'll get hit, not don't do this because yeah. it's wrong. Right. Exactly. Which yeah. goes back to what I was saying about, you know, parents taking time out and talking to their children, telling the child what they did that, you know, uh, was wrong, and then, you know, having the child repeat it and then asking the child what did he or she, what what should they have done? just to see, you know, where their critical skills are and, you know, what was on their mind. And this opens the conversation. It helps the parent engage their children. And then if the child got it right, wonderful. If they get it wrong, then you assess the situation and you tell them, you know, what they should have done in place of what they did. But, I mean, again, it's all about engaging your child, um, taking time out to actually speak with them. We have two other callers on the line I know this is Deborah, and I think this is Vita as well. Vita, is that you? Hey, Deborah. Hey, Vita. How y'all doing today? I'm great. Great, great. Is that you, Vita? Yes, it is. Excellent. All right, that's what I thought. Hey. Would you guys like to weigh in? I I would. Go ahead, Vita. Thank you, Deborah. Um... I I don't have children. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. I don't have children, but I have been taking care of children for a very long time, almost um, over 10 years. Um, I've been I've ran programs with you, uh, children's programs. And we're talking about kids. And most of the kids I've worked with were kids who had extreme behavioral problems and kids who, like, for example, you know, they were raised in foster care or kinship care or had parents that were incarcerated grew up in the project. Some were born addicted to crack. Um, I used to run uh, programs. Uh, working with those children, as well as I worked as a nanny for a few years, and I still continue to work as a nanny part-time. Um, and so I basically had jobs raising children for people. And right. one of the things that and one of the things that um, I've learned, especially in those experiences, and I, I was a strong believer in spanking. I was spanked growing up, so I believed in spanking for a while until I was in positions where I had to get children to behave without hitting them. And you'll find that hitting is the most unnecessary. Spanking is so unnecessary. And then when I looked back at really reflected on how I felt the times that I was spanked, it was more than just the actual physical act of being hit. It was also the fact that I was being shut down. It was what I was being hit for. It was what I was, so for example, if I was quote-unquote talking back, I would get hit. 
if I did something that I thought in my mind was a good act, was a good thing to do, I would. But for whatever reason, I found out later maybe it wasn't the wisest choice. I would get hit. It was never. Even if there was a conversation, I felt like, well, why did you have to hit me to make that point? You could have just told me <laughs> that this wasn't appropriate. So I just remember reflecting well, back on that. Or grounded or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even if, but even in getting grounded, I'm not saying that just no discipline. But sometimes it's, it's not even necessary to to uh, automatically assume that the kid just needs to be punished in some right. way. Sometimes it's a matter of figuring out what is the need. Sometimes it's not even the kid's fault. You have kids running around the house because they haven't been outside or because you have these kids who haven't eaten right. If you're, you're feeding your kids sugar all day, then you're, they're bouncing off the wall of the house and they're breaking things and you beat them for breaking things, then you have to go back and say, okay, what did I do? as the adult in this situation, to not create, create an environment where children could be in a healthy, happy, safe environment. So that's sometimes a matter of going back and looking at what it is that we can do to create the type of environment. If a kid might tell you, I, I have no idea why I just had to jump on the bed and then when I jumped off, I dropped something on the dresser, <laughs> which I've had kids do. And then, but then I realized the reason why this kid is jumping on the bed and, bed and drop kicking things isn't because he's just trying to be malicious. He needs to be outside. He needed time to get his energy out when he came home from school. But we don't think about those kind of patterns and or ways to structure an environment where we're meeting these children's needs. And that's basically my main point. Figure out what the need is, what that need that that child was trying to meet, and figure out what it is that we can get, what we can do to get that need met. Sometimes it is a matter of critical thinking, teaching them. Okay, was it the wisest choice to hop on that bed? Probably not. How do I teach that to a kid? So it, without hitting them. And we have to think about those things. And there are ways you can do that without having to on that resort to this child is evil and must be punished, you know? Well, you know, yeah, it brings up an interesting point. Um, I never, this is something that was always, like, in the back of my mind. But I think a lot of adults who spain don't really think about what they may have done to lead to the child's behavior and also um, assume that their their child um, at the same time, while being a child and being under their control, um, is also on their intellectual level, and that the kid automatically knows what they're being punished for. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is, um, and I agree with you, Vita. Um, I agree that um, part of it is creating an environment where they're, you know, they have the things that they need. And um, but, I, and I think that. Part of where you see the harshest sort of forms of, you know, physical punishment and abuse generally tend to be in uh, among the people of lower socioeconomic status. And I think that that is important to point out because without um, sufficient sort of social safety nets and um, access to Head Start and things like that, I actually just read a paper not too long ago about um, parents who had access to Head Start programs and their use of, of spanking and physical punishment versus parents who um, had to, you know, provide their own sort of care at home for, for the most part. And um, so the parents who had access to Head Start, they generally speaking had, um, did not have to use physical punishment as often, or they reported not having to use physical punishment as, as often. So I think that a lot um, that what you said about environment being important is important not only for the child but also for the parents. You know, when you have parents who are a um, who are in good sort of have have better well being. You know, they have access to you know daycare and 
health care and the things that they need. They tend to be better parents. So. And I want to piggyback a little bit off of what become level. Um, when I my specialty in uh, study sociology in school, that was my spe- I specialized in, or my emphasis was in sociology of childhood. And I wish I had researched, uh, pulled up this study right now, but I don't have it. But there actually is a study regarding how low, people who are of lower income and people who are working class, how they treat their children versus ch- people who have uh, people who are higher income or people who are in executive positions at their jobs and how they treat their children. And there actually is a, a correlation. So when you are a, so if you're a lower, if you're working class, let's say you work um, a, full, a full-time job, maybe two, uh, two, two jobs, and your job is lower level, not even management position, um, you teach your child how to follow authority and how to follow rules, and how to do as I say. There's no room for negotiation. And so that's how we treat and teach our children. You disobey me, you will be punished. You are follow authority, and you follow rules. That's what it is. Whereas children of executive parents who have executive positions learn to negotiate. They learn, so for example, the kid wants to play at the park a longer time. Mom says, come on, it's time to go in the car. We've got to go home. And the kid's like, no, I want to stay out here longer. And she's like, no, we got to go. He says, Mom, can I have 20 more minutes? Mom says, no, we have to go. Well, Mom, can I have five more minutes? Yes, five more minutes, and then we have to go. So this child just learned how to negotiate. Whereas in a lower-income family, parents who were working class will say, no, we got to go. I'm going to beat your butt if you don't get in this car. (laughs) Right. So there is a correlation. I just wanted to point that out. You know, I also think, too, and this is like, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that. No, and there's another caller, Robert. Robert would like to join into the conversation. Are you there, okay. Robert? I'm here. Please. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, before I I just wanted to say the one thing. Um, I was also came across a paper about fathers and their use of uh, physical punishment, and it, and and um, again, this goes back to what I was saying about health and healthcare that fathers um, who are either experienced or have, you know, depression, um, who have been diagnosed with depression or um, have chronic depression or report chronic depression are more likely to use physical punishment against their children. So it's a, it's a, it's a matter of parents not being able to cope with, their, with stress and with, you know, pa- the parenting stresses that are there, and I actually read another paper that said that first time, uh, first first um, firstborn children are actually more likely to be um, to to be punished through the use of corporal punishment than successive children. So um, something else to keep. I, go ahead, Robert. Oh, do you okay. want to say something? Um, I, I was trying to give you the opportunity to talk. I just think um, corporate punishment is really dependent on the parenting. If if you're able to sit there and explain what is going on, um, then I think I think a lot of times corporate punishment is demonized because a lot of people misuse its its um, yeah. what it's supposed to do. I mean, it's supposed to be as a way of correcting a particular action or behavior. Now, if you're just hitting your kids and not giving them an example or letting them know what they did wrong to 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 get this, then then you're misusing the purpose of it. Anything, even if it has, even if it has a good intention, if it's not using the correct form, it's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna be bad. I mean, 
anything you do. So I just look at the total and the total ramification of corporate punishment. Well, I, mean, I was. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Let me ask you this: If you can reason with a child, if you can talk to them, what's the point of hitting them? Exactly. I mean, you have to know your kids. This yeah. goes back to you knowing knowing your kids. If exactly. talking to your kids works works for them, then it works for them. You don't have to use corporal punishment. I'm not advocating corporal punishment in every situation for every child because it doesn't work on all children. It doesn't work in every what situation. What does works mean? What does works mean? What do I you mean, mean by works? Yeah. Not works, but if it, it, if it helps in improving behavior or improving um, attitude. Or has the behavior improved around you? So that's not so say that also you have to take into context what that improvement is. Are we talking about a short-term improvement or are we talking about a long-term improvement? Because right. in, in, in the case of, uh, of corporal punishment, what generally happens is the child is, doesn't do that behavior immediately afterwards. But that doesn't necessarily correlate to more uh, to, to better behavior. That just means that they just don't do it then. They, they right. you know, they stop for that moment. Or they just don't I just do it around say, you. I, I want to, let me, let me just say something here. Um, I'm, I'm a mother. I raised two sons. And they're almost 40 years old now. Okay? Now, I think what's happening is we need to make a distinction. And it is a, a distinction between spanking and 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 abuse, okay. We, I don't know about this this black thing, okay, that you're talking about, because down here, just re- even just recently, uh, they've been they've been um, rescuing children, white parents now. Here they got them in cages, and 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 their doodle and everything is all around them and all this stuff. This has been going on and it's been for a while. You know, um, I spanked my kids when it was needed, okay, when they were young. Hey, you ask them now. I said, yes, no, Ma, you ain't spanked us because now spanking has another meaning. Like you keep saying corporate punishment. But it's a difference between just spanking when it's needed, because sometimes you cannot communicate with a kid, okay, and you don't want them to, they don't, you don't want them running out in the street. So you got you got to let them know right then and there. You understand? You give them a little spanking. That's I just want to say from, that's different from corporate. You know, I want I want to know if 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 if, if spanking is not needed. How come we got all these grown people who don't know right from wrong? But that doesn't mean we're I just want to be able to Now, what is the study on the people that they never got spanked? I want to know that study. There's some people on the line. I just wanted to say real quick before I leave because I don't want to hijack Raina's show, but um, I worked around kids for years, kids of all ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds, and the fact of the matter is, the kids that had the most behavior problems were the kids that were spanked the most. Yes. And the, the yes. majority, and I mean the vast majority, over 90%, 
over 90% of the people currently sitting in our prisons were spanked as children. Yes. So you yes. might have been spanked, I was spanked, and we all turned abuse. out all right. That abuse. doesn't mean it's that it's, it's okay. A, it's abuse. It's abuse. It's a difference. I don't, I don't know. Right, so I'm going to let you guys saying. discuss this. I, thank you for taking my call, Raina and Kim. It's abuse. I'm, I'm, I'm still going to keep listening. Okay, no problem. But I was going to say that actually um, uh, out of – in okay, so there's been a couple of national um, uh, surveys, and um, actually most people in the United States believe in spanking. Again, part of the part of the discrepancy is is that there are different definitions of what constitutes spanking. But in any case, uh, 77% of American men and 65% of American women were saying that uh, said that it, they agreed rather that um, sometimes a child needed a good hard spanking. And they said that and, and of these and of these and of these people. They reported that 93% of those of their parents had hit them. Um, oh, sorry, in another study, sorry, 93% of parents reported that they hit their children um, from between two and four uh, years of age within a two-week period, and 58% of parents that had uh, five to nine-year-olds within a two-week period. So pretty much everybody is thinking for the most part. Not everybody, but most people are thinking their kids. Um, and to say that the people who are in prison or people who don't know right from wrong were not spanked is just not correct. How you learn right from wrong. I'm not looking at them. Either way. Either way, right from wrong. I'm looking at them fools on TV. Right from wrong comes from spanking is the point. But Mm. what what you learn right from wrong is through your parents modeling good behaviors and your parents sitting and teaching you. What is right from what is wrong? You go back to what I said earlier. Goes it goes to parenting. I mean, the parents have to set, right. set the parameters. Have to set the parameters in in in, in what they're trying to do. Like I said earlier, if if it doesn't work, if spanking doesn't work, if you can sit and talk to your kids, and you and and they get you get the desired behavior, or you can punish your kids, ground them. It's all about using the tools that will make uh, make the child a better person, and it's also make you make use of all the tools that are available to parents. I mean. Um, make them it's know it's what just no doing means. what, and let them know what no means. I mean, you just have to no. do what works best for your children, That's right. what let works best what for no the child means. in that situation. Mm-hmm. However, um, I mean, if you, if, go ahead, Raina. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Ken. No, I was going to say, if you go and you look at the studies that have been published regarding, you know, spanking, corporal punishment, or what have you, um, it shows that it has a detrimental effect on the children. And going right. back to I a comment earlier, a couple of um, sources um, before you move on. I'm sorry. There was um, there 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 have been correlations between spanking and um, child aggression, child delinquency, antisocial behavior, adult criminal and antisocial behavior, um, and that they've also shown that corporal punishment was related to immediate compliance but was related to more negative childhood, child outcomes for all other variables considered. And I agree with that because spanking is different from corporate punishment. But it actually isn't. It's a spanking is a form oh, yeah, of it is. Corporate. Yes, it is. Yeah, corporate punishment. When, when you put whips and, and you hurt your child, I mean, and stuff, and, and, and that child is brutal, that's corporate punishment. No, 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 that's abuse. Corporal punishment, um, and I'm Corporal sorry. Corporal punishment, abuse, all that's bad. Well, that ain't, I, that ain't just I think 
Well, I think it goes back to what we have to define. Like I said, we have to define what what spanking is, what corporal punishment is, and what is abuse. I mean, I think, like you said earlier, spanking spanking is. I think it's okay. I mean, I think I think a lot of times I think people um, correlate between spanking, corporal punishment, and abuse, and they're they're two different animals. Abuse is wrong. Spanking is corporal punishment. Wrong, wrong all day long. Corporal punishment is the use of physical force with the intention of causing a, the child to experience pain, not injury, for the purpose of correction or control of the child's behavior. That is spanking. That is a spanking is a form of corporal punishment. Oh. Now, abuse, I agree with you, is different from corporal punishment. It is, but um, but there are studies which show that oh, yeah. there are correlations between the use of corporal punishment, i.e., spanking, being one of them, um, and the negative social behavioral outcomes. What is, so what is grounding? Is that a form of corporal punishment? I mean, no, what? Not corporal punishment. Grounding is the taking away of privileges. That's a different so, form of punishment. So you, so, so who, now who, who gives this definition? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are, these are academic. Um, these are academic. So, uh, so it's open to interpretation then, correct? If it's, if it's academic definition, it's open to interpretation, correct? But I mean, if you look at if you look at the examples in your own neighborhoods and in your own families, what's been going on in the black community, spanking and corporal punishment evidently does not work. Again, going back to the comment earlier about you know the number of um, minorities that are incarcerated and in some of the violence and the issues that we see, I personally believe that violence and spanking begets violence. And and basically they're taught to inflict some type of physical harm or pain or what have you in order to get someone to submit or subjugate themselves to what you want. That's one of the things that are being taught. So and, it's and not going I, back to what, what I said earlier about the parenting? Pardon me? Well, I was saying that it's it not going back to what we talked about earlier being the parenting the parenting dictates, um, like you say, important. Uh, it was important in in, in correcting all this is a, is a parents modeling the correct behavior. So does it go back to the original saying parenting can dictate right. how views are formed in about corporal punishment and you said the aggression and everything? Does it go back to the parenting and setting the example and and letting them know what what particular punishment is being done for what behavior or whatnot? I, I was well, just trying to go back to that point. You have to go put it That's in proper context. Mm-hmm. Many, of these, many of these same parents were spanked and received corporal punishment, and their parents received the same thing. And it's passed right. down throughout the generations. So, you know, we have to put it in information. And that's wrong. You know, that's, that, that's, that's wrong. Some parents are real parents. They, don't, they really are not good parents. Okay, yeah, that's true, you know. But it's just like this. You like to drink, right? People like to drink. You drink too much, you become an alcoholic. Okay, it's sometimes you just go overboard too far. Okay, in anything. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you. My boys, there's nothing wrong with my boys. Neither one of them in prison. Never been in prison. Okay. Well, and I know a no lot of people. A lot of a lot of kids are okay. Okay. You have to also define what okay is because there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are walking around and they look okay. They're 
and they're they're screwed main, up. They have all they're maintaining their finances. They have children. Mm-hmm. They have families, but they're depressed, or they don't um, they don't know how to interact with people on a social basis. They right. abuse their spouses behind closed doors. They abuse their kids behind closed doors. You know, there's all sorts of things, other ways that abuse and, and spanking and corporal punishment can affect people that yeah, are not necessarily that, 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 obvious. You know, you can't blame all that on, on spanking. I didn't say I didn't I said that there are people who are affected by these things in negative ways, and there are studies that show that they're affected by these things in negative ways. Children who are spanked. I mean, I have friends who are teachers. They tell me all the time. They can tell which students are being spanked. They can tell which children are being spanked. I guess racism and none of that has anything to do with anything. Um, I, 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 I guess I, I, I guess you know the, the way the way society is ain't got nothing else to do with nothing, but all of it is on, on spanking. No, I never said that it was all was on. I never said it was all on spanking. And there's really I, no that's reason what I'm asking. to be defensive. You got to put, well, put other things. Numbers are misleading. Really, numbers are misleading sometimes. Um, you look at I think sometimes numbers are. I think numbers sometimes don't give the whole story, and sometimes they. Don't give en- they don't give enough of the story. They don't really go into context because something of this magnitude is on. It's more of an individual basis. It's not more of a collective looking at a collective group or collective. Use your children. Okay, that's interesting. Um, let's see. Um, uh, <laughs> an individual reason to abuse kids. Okay, um, let's see. Um, but yeah, there's again. There are ways that these things can affect people that don't necessarily translate into, I think my child, my child is a mass murderer. There's ways that these things affect, and considering how much mental, mental health and mental illness plagues, you know, the black community and people with lower socioeconomic status, and considering that thinking and corporal punishment are not necessarily positive factors, but definitely contribute to these sorts of illnesses. Why would you want to use that when there are other effective means at your disposal? You're acting like we use it all the time. I'm not saying that you use that's it all the time. Part of, a lot that's of part of the bringing up of a child sometimes, okay? That's just part. Not all. Every mm-hmm. time a child do something wrong, you don't spank them. You talk to them. But sometimes it requires a little bit more. Look, okay. I mean, what? A, bit, a little bit more. A little bit more. Yep. A little bit more. <laughs> I remember one time my child, he was about eight years old. He had gotten mad with this kid out, in, out that he was playing with. He goes sneaking in the house. And I heard him, you know. I, I was, you know, because you got to, that's another thing. You got to be on top of all this stuff. And he going to get a knife out of my, my, you know, my kitchen drawer, and I stopped. I said, hold up, what you doing? And the knife slid on down. Nothing, Mama. I ain't doing nothing. Yeah, right. Come here. I ain't had no more problems with him. I just gave him a spanking and a talking. You don't do that. You don't hurt people. You got to do that. You got to prepare them for life, real life. You can't be giving them no la 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 uh, uh, la uh, uh, la la stories. 
what is so what did okay, so what did the spanking necessarily do for the for the child that taking the knife away and employing some other means of punishment wouldn't have done? What other what you, other means? You I can ask that from you, you, you can ask that from the other from other other from reverse situation. What what would just what, well, what would I just, just gave you all the I just gave you all of the data. Uh, for one, it doesn't lead to external externalizing behavior. Ask, that person that that person you're reading from, do they have children? A lot of some. It doesn't matter whether or not they specifically yeah, it have children. It does matter. No, it doesn't. You know, it, doesn't it doesn't matter, matter. whether you're well, raising kids or just talking about. Are not They're okay. We all have. We are a biological systems. We all we have there are there are things that are true. There are things that we can assess through various means of testing. Gotta get into it, baby. Our You've got to be able to if you ain't raised no child, you really don't not, you know, it's not fair. Okay, so you know what, Deborah, being a parent makes you as much of an expert on children as having a uterus makes you an obstetrician. What is an obstetrician? An obstetrician don't know nothing about my poo That doesn't make you an not expert. like me. No, it's, oh, it's having. You know, I go to the doctor. I, I, let me tell you something. I go to the doctor all the time because I had a spinal operation on my spine because my disc was cutting into my spine, and I'm in my pain is like twenty four seven. Oh, well, try these pills. Oh, well, try these pills. Oh, well, try these pills. They don't know my pain. They 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 guessing at it. Because they ain't never had it. Okay. Oh, you can you can you can study everything you want, but until you get into something, that's not you know? necessarily true. That's not that's not really true. Um, there's lots of people who who are involved in things and they don't understand them, and and actually studying them contributes an understanding that they don't necessarily have a level of sophistication that they can't necessarily grasp. But um, I appreciate your your outlook. Um, Deborah, but I, I cannot agree, especially when the the volume of evidence that there is to show that spanking does not work um, is, is just so vast. And then you also have to consider um, sort of the other reasons why. Like, why would you want to use physical violence towards someone that you that you love. It's a it's a mixed message the children are getting. I don't getting. call it physical violence. I really don't. I don't know, you know, what what you grew up with, you know, or, or whatever, but I don't believe in cruelty. Let me, let me talk. It's my program. Let me, let me say, if you I were don't to believe in cruelty. if you were to take out your belt and you were to spank a grown man because he did something that you didn't like, that would be assault under the law. But when we apply that same behavior to a child, it's no longer illegal for some reason because we have it in our minds that it's okay for us to hit certain individuals. I'm not going to spank a grown man. I'm going to knock the shit out of him. It's a difference. I'm not going to spank. See, that's why I say it's a difference. I'm not going to spank a a, a grown man. I'm going to knock the doo-doo out of him. Um, We have a caller. Um. All right, you know, from Ohio. Are you there, caller? May we ask who's calling? Yeah, this is Nate out of Columbus. Uh, it's a good conversation you guys are having. Um, I, I do have to say, as a child growing up, 
sure, there were times I got my spankings. Of course, some of them merited, some of them not merited. Looking back, there were some that weren't merited. That wasn't necessary. That wasn't the most effective way to yeah. deal with me. But were there times where I should have had that spanking? Yeah, looking back, yeah, I'll agree with that. But it was used as a last resort. Then yeah. when I grew up, I had a son of my own. I found that I had to redefine what patience is. And when it mm-hmm. comes to punishing a child, you do have to have patience. I had to redefine what it is for That's me. Right. I only had to pick my I only had to spank my son once. Just once. Because he kept on going up the stairs. I kept on telling him no, you know, mom's your mom's not here, so forth and so on. He kept on doing it. He didn't listen. So I gave him a little swap. Mm-hmm. Well, right. why wasn't he allowed to go up the stairs? Well, it was, he was, how old was he? He was uh, not even 18 months old. I'm trying to remember how old he was. But anyway, he wouldn't okay. listen. And it was, uh, the steps were steep at the apartment we used to stay at. Mm-hmm. And okay. I viewed it as a danger. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. But it was only that one time. Any other time? Me and him just had a good, nice conversation. Was there no uh, way that you could have put a barrier up in order to keep him from off of the stairs? At, at that time, at that time, we didn't have a gate. We didn't have okay. anything that we could set in front of the stairs to keep him from going up. And I do think getting a barrier in those circumstances are a great thing. You make a good point. You're, you're asking a good question. It's an empowering question, all right? And when a parent does go to punish they do have to ask themselves, how effective do I want to be? And even more important, they, the parent has to understand that isn't, isn't, it, this is not for their own emotional self-gratification. And I think a lot of parents do that, especially in the black community. You have mm-hmm. to be creative. You have to figure out what is the best way I can talk to that child, what's going to be the most effective when it comes to dealing with them, and when it comes time for the punishment. Now, we do have to understand nobody likes punishment. It is going to be a bitter pill, whatever that type of punishment that we're going to dish out. Me, myself, I I used to refer to it as Jedi mind tricks. And when I went to go talk to my son and I didn't want him to do something, I would give him mm-hmm. options. Yes, you may do this. You may do that. You are a good kid, and good kids do do this. They do do that. All right now, as DeBoer was bringing up, situation where they're going to run out into the street, that's a danger. That's, for me, in my perspective, that's a danger. You may have to well, go Well, I think from anyone's perspective, that's a danger. I, um, and, I, and I agree with you. And I think that, um, and, 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 I, and I said earlier that there, there are certain things that we cannot necessarily communicate to children because they don't have the sort of cognitive you know, structures in place yet to understand things like cars, you know, pavement, bad idea. You know what I mean? Like, they don't necessarily have that cognitive structure, which means that there's a couple of things that you have to do. If you're not going to be able to directly supervise them, you have to put them into some situation where they're going to be safe with, you know, minimum supervision, or you, or you also, you know, have to maybe get some form of daycare or someone else to look after them. But there are things that you need to do before you get to the point that you have to spank. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I if, and if you get to that point and you have to yeah. spank, I'm not necessarily 
saying that you're a bad parent. I'm saying that for situations that don't involve a danger, like what you were talking about with the stairs or what have you, is right. I think that I think that that's wrong, especially when you are at a where you're in a place where you can communicate with your child or take away privileges or you know some other mm-hmm. some other sort of you know punishment grounding or what have you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Now I will say, all right, when before I became a parent, and someone would ask me, "Hey, Nate, you got kids? Why don't you babysit?" Or I dated someone that had a child. You know, mm-hmm. I, I still love that child, but I remember this ex-girlfriend of mine, she told me, she says, Nate, whenever you have your own kids, be it if it's going to be with me or with someone else, when it's your own kids, is different. And looking back, I do have to agree with that. Yeah. Having kids does change you. It's going to change your perspective. So it's going to change how you view how you're going to punish your kids. For me, one of the first things I found out is, I had to change my definition of patience. I had to become a much more patient person. Everything involved. It is necessary. I also think that this is where mental health comes into play. Again, and we all agree on this, that is mental health takes a far back seat when it needs to be up front. I think when we start doing that, you're going to lessen the things that we see where children are getting spanked and we see and we view that as so harsh that, that yes, that is abuse. You do need to be locked up, yeah. okay? Yeah. We will see less of that. We'll see more functional adults coming in society. But yeah. for right now, yeah. the way politics is, so forth and so on, it's not going to happen. You know, people are relying on religion to do this for them. And from all of our yeah. viewpoints, Religion yeah. is doing such a bad job. It's yes. doing an atrocious job. We mm-hmm. need new ideas. We need to be creative. And yeah. sometimes it was just the simplest things that I used to say or do with my son that would get him to do what I wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. Now, but but the irony of it all when it comes to my son, his mother used to tell me all the time, spanking is bad, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'd sit there and I'm like, well, whatever, woman, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the irony is I didn't have to spank him. Me and him just had good conversations. She was the one that ended up spanking him left and right. And I always thought that curious. Well, that's another thing. That's another That's another thing that I, I've, I've read in the literature, that when it comes to black boys in particular, um, black boys are more, you know, more likely to be spanked than mm-hmm. any other group. And I think that there's a reason for that that we have to that we've talked about on this show. And that is the perceptions of black black people and their and their identity being linked to immorality and, you know, violence and all those sorts of things. And sometimes that even plays out in how we deal with one another and how we deal with our children. Um, you know, we've talked about on this program before how, you know, children, black children are not extended the um, the sort of assumption of innocence that is given yeah. to other children. So when we see black young black girls who are out here who've been raped or molested, some of us are in a mindset that blames those children that says that that girl was fast, you know, mm-hmm. signs her agency over the adult that molested her and abused her. 
you know, and it's the same thing with and it's the same thing with our young black boys. There are people who see our young black boys and they think when they when they see, you know, even the, the slightest um sort of um, you know, sort of disrespect or the slightest sort of talking back, you know, or the question that you're not ready for that you count as staff. You know, mm-hmm. they have to be punished for that. You know, and they have to, and they have to understand that you're an authority and this is your house and they're going to do what you say. And what does that sound like? That sounds yeah. like the way that we were treated under slavery. Exactly. Just like Emily was saying earlier. So I think that there also, we also have to deal with the fact that there are things within our, our socialization that play out in the way that we deal with children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially and, black boys and girls. Yeah, and as blacks, we have such a following coming. I've heard some people comment that, you know, speaking goes back to slave days when the slave masters did their thing. But, again, that's I like to, that's very, very different. Is it harsh? But does some, of that still, does some of that behavior from back then, has it transferred to our modern day? I, I'm going to have to say yes, because there are some parents out there that are just atrocious now. I yeah. always applaud the, the parents, but okay, they're going to use spanking as a last resort. Okay, they had to do this because they perceived the danger or whatever. I, I get that. Uh, what Deborah was saying, you know, once you become a parent, yeah, it, it, it's, it gets more interesting. I do agree with uh, the comment that was made earlier that, yes, the different studies and the different statistics, they do tell a story, but I don't think they tell the whole story. No. no, no one is saying that they're telling the whole story, but neither do anecdotes. And, and unfortunately, some of us have an idea that our anecdotes uh, trump this, this sort of information that comes out when we look at people's experiences across the board. When we line people's experiences up, you know, even though there are variations, there tends yes. to be a story that emerges. And this is how, we, how we've learned everything that we've ever learned about the world. You know, from you know, from you know, the way that our TVs and our cell phones work, you know, to our basic biology. You know, this is how knowledge is accumulated. And if we don't look at the studies and what the studies are telling us, and I've already said that there are some issues with the studies, particularly in how they're defining certain things, particularly spanking. Like in some studies, they might count spanking as spanking over the clothes. You know, between one and four hits. Some of them are, are defining spanking more loosely. Some of them are looking at frequency of spanking as opposed to the the sort of actual act of spanking. So they're looking at mm-hmm. the instances rather than the you know what happens, what the behavior is in that moment. You know what I mean? Okay. So we have to take those things into account too. But the the picture that emerges even when you line all of them up is that you are affecting that child's behavior in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I wanted to I wanted to throw something and I don't know it's Vita I'm back I got a little upset and I hung up but I'm back. Um, <laughs> Welcome back. But, but I, I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit if that's okay and because I, I mentioned this in the chat room but I, I kind of feel like one of the issues even the two things points I want to make just because you don't hit your kid doesn't mean you're providing a healthy environment and that your kid's gonna. And that what you're doing is positive. Because I mean, you can time out and to a point where that's abusive. So I, so I do understand that there are definitely limitations in how you punish and you know that kind of thing. And also, mm-hmm. not hitting has to be coupled with a bunch of other things. It can't just right. be, well, you know, I don't hit my kid, but 
you don't teach your child, child critical thinking skills either. So that's still yeah, a problem. You don't hit your um, kids running and, around and, and, like he's and, guard. Sorry. I'm sorry, say that again? <laughs> I was saying, I said, because there are people, and, and I was going to agree with you, I was saying there are people who don't hit their kids, but they also don't teach their kids anything or discipline their kids right. in any mm-hmm. meaningful way either. Right. Exactly. And the other thing I want to just not necessarily thinking. Go ahead. <laughs> right. And also, I wanted to. I also wanted to say that one of the other issues with thinking. And I, and I reflect on my childhood, and this took me a long time. And not even just my childhood, but also in me looking, working with the children that I worked with, who, like I said, who were in foster care, kinship care, or had a parent that was incarcerated, and you know, kids that grew up in the projects and had various uh, social issues, social uh, and environmental factors that contributed to their behavior. But I remember being a child, and I've been through a lot as growing up, um, a lot. And I remember one of the things my, I would get spanked for, me and my brother would get spanked for, were fighting, was fighting. We would physically fight each other, punch each other, throw things. I mean, it got, I mean, one point I hit him in the head with a seat belt and busted his head, and he had to go to the hospital. <laughs> and, we were, and I was young, and we're talking about from the age of about seven, eight years old, always until we were about, 17, 18 years old, physically fighting each other. Now, we, and we were just thanked for it. And we, my, dad, my dad would come downstairs. My dad, my dad worked and went to school full time. And um, he, he was a single parent, and we were very poor. And so he would, he would be upstairs, and we'd be downstairs, and he'd hear us. He'd be up there studying and working. We'd be downstairs fighting over something like a piece of cheese and physically beating each other over each other over these pieces of cheese or a remote control, whatever it was. My dad would come down the stairs, he'd pull out his board or his cords, and he'd whoop us, and he'd go back upstairs, and we'd be quiet that day, and the next day we'd fight again. And I remember, right and, I look, and having worked with kids, I remember looking, I was looking back at my childhood and thinking about, and I get my dad was frustrated, he was tired, he's a single parent, we were poor, he's working hard to get us out of poverty, he's in school full-time, working full-time, and so I get it, I get my dad's trust. But there were so many things that took place before that, before we even got to the point of being physically, uh, before we even got to the point where we were physically fighting, that never got addressed. For one thing, we transitioned from living to my mother's house from a traumatic situation and then going to my father's house. Never got addressed. We went to church. <laughs> we went to, you know, he taught, I mean, that was like his way of doing it. He prayed for us every night, so I knew he loved me, but he didn't know how to address those issues. In fact, it never went addressed. And so we always fought. And I think, and then my father hitting us didn't stop that from happening. We got quieter with it. We definitely got more quiet. We figured out how to fight and hit each other without screaming. And so (laughs) I'm not even, this isn't even an exaggeration. And I remember thinking, you know, me and my brother have been through a lot. Having grown up poor, having had this uh, harsh transition, having a father who doesn't even have enough time to engage with us. I mean, think about it. We were two kids sitting downstairs watching TV by ourselves when my dad's upstairs. I get he was studying, but at the same time, as a kid, you don't realize that. Your your parents are not spending time with you. So, right. there, so there are so many things that took place that, for that behavior to happen. For, for, my, how, for, for whatever reason, my parents, my father, felt like, okay, if I hit it, if I hit them, it'll stop. And he might have actually thought it stopped because we weren't doing it around him anymore and, or we got quieter with it or we waited until he was out at work or at school and we would be in the house trying to kill each other to the point where the neighbors would have to tell him that we were over there fighting and he could hear us. So I'm just saying that it's important that, we look at the whole picture. It's not right. just 
it's not just oh they're they're being bad right now and I have to correct them. You know, it's it's it's. I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to use Deborah's example about her son getting the knife. The question is, why would he think that was okay in the first place? What led up to right. that? What led? Was this kid bullying him? Was he feeling frustrated? What was going on before it got to the yeah. point he felt like he had to get a they knife? Were, and that's they were something. Fighting. They were fighting. They were fighting. No, I get that part, but 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 what is that? But what was his relationship with that? Child? I'm not saying I'm not saying that this specific example. I'm just giving that based on what you said as, as, as an example of what questions we could ask. You know, we could ask those right. questions. Who is this kid? Where did this come from? How long have you how long have you guys been fighting? Are you guys actually friends? This went went left. Are you watching? Maybe he's watching too many things on TV that I don't. I don't maybe people in the community have seen it happen in the community. Exactly. Right. What is what mm. led up to that knife getting there in his hand? That to me is what we have right. to look at the exactly. whole picture. Yeah. That's the no, I agree, and I just wanted to make one other. I just also wanted to make one other um, point that I that I'm not I didn't make before, and I just wanted to say that when we're talking about the sorts of things that parents are doing, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say frame this in a way that makes parents into bad parents because they think. Right. Because we do a lot of things, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that hurt other people. And sometimes we do those things out of love, and we still manage to hurt other people. So I'm yeah. not saying that if you spank your child, you don't love your child. I'm not saying that or that you're a bad person. I'm saying that there are other ways. Right. And I know my parents love me. I don't want to throw that out there. My father may have whooped us. My mother, my mother was also extremely physical when she would punish us. And and to the point where my, I believe my my mother did was abuse. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, I know my parents love me, and I know they love me now. So I don't think Mm -hmm. there's any. I don't. I really don't want parents to think, oh, you're you're saying we hate our kids. No, not at all. I I think because you love them, and you just don't. And and maybe you just have you have a different perspective or whatever it is. But I do think that. Um, I don't think punishing your kid or hitting your kid means you don't love them. Because there are parents who abuse their children who love their children dear, dearly. I've seen it. Right. You know, I worked in yeah. social services for a long time. And there are parents, parents who don't abuse their children that's that I don't love them. I worked at social services, too. You know, there are parents that but, don't pay attention to their kids, that, that, that don't discipline their children at all, and they don't love mm-hmm. their children. You know what I mean? They should not getting that association made on this show. We're not saying you're a bad person because you right. thank your children. We're saying there are other ways for you to engage with your child. Yeah, be creative about it. Now, Vita, yeah. I like the example that you brought up when it comes to yourself. Your dad came down, he spanked y'all, but that was it. He didn't communicate anymore with y'all about how you guys can talk no, differences. No, 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 no. Let me clarify that. No, no, no. That's okay. not. No, my dad did talk to us. My dad talked to us a lot. That's the point where I got to pick his hand okay. and talk. So he did talk. He, in fact, he would say, you know, you guys shouldn't. He would hit us, and then he'd say, you guys shouldn't hit each other. <laughs> I love, you yeah. know, you guys love each other and, and blah, 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 blah. So my my father, in his mind, my father's a very logical person. He's a critical thinker. Okay. And, I, and but I, so when it came to that, he was, you know, and plus he was religious. On so his mind, he was following God's. You know, so when he did talk to you, he was trying to tell y'all fighting is something y'all, y'all shouldn't be doing. What? How did he talk to you about that? Oh, he was. I mean, I'm not saying it was most helpful, but it was. I'm saying he would say things like, you know, you guys shouldn't fight each other. Why are you guys hitting each other? You know, do, why, do you guys love each other? It was very much about our relationship. 
between each mm-hmm. other. And honestly, there was really it wasn't really my relationship with my brother that was the problem. We had a lot of pent up anger and frustration, a lot of pain that we had been through, a lot of trauma we had experienced, and we took it out on each other because we were closest to each other. And that's mm-hmm. the part that didn't get addressed. So mm-hmm. looking back, and if you're the parent in this situation. How would you communicate with your kids to tell them, hey, it's not a good idea to fight. What's going on? Well, for one thing, I'd look at the whole picture, like I said before, yeah. and maybe it takes a conversation being separate conversations. Okay, what's going on? What, well, first of all, why did, why, what was this fight about? And then you start to see a pattern. Okay, this is a pattern. Whenever, uh, you try, whenever my daughter tries to watch TV, here comes her, my son, Snatching it from her. Okay, why does he snatching the remote from her or change the channel on her? Why does he feel like this is okay to do? And it's kind of, I hate to say it, but it's not this simple answer. You really have to break it down and really ask those key questions before you even begin to address it. But once you figure out what those key points are, okay, I noticed that he, for some reason, uh, my son thinks that he can, you know, over, over, uh, overtake the, the space. Why does he feel this way? Okay, for some reason, my daughter thinks that the way to, to to address the situation is by physically hitting him. Why does she think that? Probably because I've been getting hit, and I was taught, okay, if you hit people, they'll stop. So I I did that, which obviously didn't work. So it's a matter of addressing those key points. It's not just saying, oh, don't do that, I'm going to, you know, you're going to get in trouble or you're going to get hit or whatever the case is. It's about looking at what's causing this behavior in the first place. And it's a lot more work than hitting a kid or Grounding them or putting them in timeout. I hate to say it, but it is a lot more work, and it takes. But after practice, I yeah. mean, this is something that I've done. So I'm not saying I'm not making up stuff and saying this stuff. You know, this is stuff from when I was nannying or when I was running my after-school program. And again, positions you cannot hit a child at all. Yeah. It's not even an option. You can't even think it. But how do I get this child to behave? The same child that experienced trauma. How do I get? I mean, I have to. At the end of the day, I have a job to do. How do I make sure this is done and these kids are safe and in a healthy environment? Yeah, good points you bring up. Because what I've found, the more that you can occupy space in that child's mind and know what that child is thinking, the more effective you're going to be when it comes to correcting that child. Um, Because I was able to get to the point with my son where he would just tell me anything. And I'd just sit back. I wouldn't be judgmental. I'd let him talk. He'd say whatever he wanted to say. Just like seven years old, he told me his first dirty joke. And granted, coming from a seven-year-old, I'll tell you right now, I wanted to crack up. I wanted to laugh so bad. And what he did, he knew it was wrong. At least for, you know, at that age, he knew he shouldn't be, you know, saying that. So what he did, we wrote at, you know, his mother's or his, his grandparents' house. And he goes and grabs him by the hand and takes him in the bathroom to tell me this joke. And so he tells me the joke. And, again, I wanted to laugh, but, you know, I just looked at him. I said, you know what, Malachi, that's funny, but I need you to clean that up. Mm-hmm. And then he just gave me the look of, wow, you didn't get on me like Mom did. And mm-hmm. that was that. Mm-hmm. End of that, he got the message, didn't have to address it anymore. And I thought that was great. Now, there were times where it was hard-headed. He'd go and knock over a trash can, and I'd be like, you need to pick that up. And he wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And he got that look in his eye. And I remember thinking, that's the same look I would give my parents. Mm-hmm. So I would turn it back around. Okay, how would it how would have been better to address me when I was that age? And I would use it on my son. Mm-hmm. And it helped. 
planet, Vita, what you said, it takes patience and it takes more work. It does. There's no doubt about it. But you got some folks out there, they're so mentally lazy, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably folks listening right now talking about, well, we're all talking about BS, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Take time to listen, be open, and try some of these strategies yourself. Because yeah, I mean, it's like, and then the other part is, is like some people try other methods, but they're not consistent with it, or they've yeah. been spanking their children all along, and then they switch to other forms of punishment, and they wonder why they're not working. Well, it's because your child is now used to being spanked. You have to, it's a process, you know yeah. what I mean, for both you and your child to be weaned off of corporal punishment if that's what you're aiming to do. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to be able to spank for like, five years and then just switch to the other form and it's going to be, you know, it's going to work like magic. You know, this is something that you have to use consistently. Mm-hmm. Nothing is magical. The only thing that, that becomes magical is when you've already consistently do something and all of a sudden you throw that strategy into play and all of a sudden it just happens. It just works. And, and you don't realize it at first. You don't realize mm-hmm. it until you think back about it. And I wanted to also say that teaching a child to think critically in addressing situations, it, it, it goes. It happens before it even gets to the to the actual act. The, the way you communicate with your child is important. The way you talk to your child, the way you treat your child, the environment that you have your child in, all of that is important. And so that has and that the behavior you model. About, it's not even yeah. just about well, what do you hear the situation? Here's the scenario. What you know, this kid uh, kicks another kid at school. How do you address it? It's not that simple. You, it's, a, it's about, well, first of all, how your, the way your child responds to you is important. If your child doesn't trust you because you've been hitting them, they're not going to open up to you. They're not going to tell you what's been going on. And like I said before, you can definitely stifle symptoms of larger problems. I had a case where one of my girls was getting spanked all the time because she was misbehaving in school. Come to find out, this, and, it, and it came out of nowhere. Like one day she was good at school, and then within a week her behavior completely did a 180, and she was yelling at the teacher. She was throwing things. She was crying all the time, and she would get mad at another student and just start screaming and crying at them and then throwing things. And and, and, and it was just like, and now was at the point that, you know, finally she was getting spanked. No, don't go to school and talk back to the teacher. Don't go to school and hit your hit those other students. You know, she was getting hit. Come to find out the girls getting sexually abused. Oh, wow. And it went undetected, especially she was going in her house. And it went undetected because she just kept getting spanked. And then we didn't get come out. And the only reason why it came out was because one of her siblings reported it. That was the only reason. So what I'm saying is when when you're constantly just resorting to punishment, and not even just hitting, like I said, this goes beyond just spanking. Because I'm I'm not saying you can't have any form of discipline. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you have to look at, what we're doing to get these kids, to, to, the reason why they're acting out and having these behaviors in the first exactly. place. If you don't think about place. that, everything else is useless. Every other conversation about how you correct behavior is useless. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was also going to say, and I also said, like, you know, modeling behavior is important, too, because if you don't want your children to lie, how do you lie in front of your children and expect them not to lie? Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? How do, how do your kids watch you, you know, lie to all of your friends and your family about, you know, situations going on in your life or your household, and your mm-hmm. child just want to sit there and not, you know, learn that that's okay to do in certain situations, or even right. with you, 
you know. So it's something that you you have to you have to communicate with your child. You have to evaluate why your child's doing the things that they're doing, and you have to, you know, teach them how to process through situations effectively. And the that other thing I was going to say too is um. And, and going with what you were saying about uh, investigating their misbehavior, Vita, I also was going to say that there's um, there's also a, an interesting study, and this kind of um, reminds me of conversations we've been having about the um, school-to-prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. There is evidence that shows that when teachers report, you know, um, more externalizing behaviors to the parents, the parents, that those parents actually spank more. So they've been told by the teachers that their children are acting out. Those parents usually think, and I think that that, and I think that, that you know that that's interesting because of the cultural issues that face young minority kids in our public schools. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of particularly white female teachers in a lot of these schools, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our children are being sort of you know, uh, funneled into special education for various behavior problems that some of them are not actually behavior problems. Some of these children don't actually need to be in special education. They just need to be in a different sort of classroom environment or have a teacher that actually understands or relates to the sort of cultural environment these kids come from. But if you live in the suburbs and you're working in, inner city schools with children who come from lower socioeconomic status than you, it's going to be very hard for you to understand the sorts of behaviors that you're witnessing and you're more prone to um, right. seeing those as sort of pathological or problem behaviors. Right. Um, cause or some, you're in some, of instances, some of these parents, some of these teachers, it, these white female teachers are scared of their black male students. I've seen it. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to throw that oh, out yeah. there. Yeah, I've seen that too. Even when the when the student isn't being particularly threatening, but just the 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 way that they speak, you know, their speech patterns or you know the deepness of their voice or something might alarm the teacher, you know, because again, mm-hmm. our children are not always afforded, you know, the assumption of innocence. You know, some of these some of these women they or some of these people out here they see our young children almost as little adults, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for various reasons that, you know, Sakizu talks about in her books and, um, you know, Melissa Harris-Perry talks about in Sister Citizen and, um, you know, other books that we'll be talking about in our book club on Black Freethinkers. But, um, you know, I just wanted to bring that up because it, it, it sort of relates to the whole prison pipeline situation, but prison to pipeline situation. You know, you're talking about white teachers mostly who are seeing these children as problems in their classroom. They're telling their parents that they're problems. The parents spank and and end up contributing to more externalizing behaviors, which lead to being put in, you know, special ed and later maybe even juvenile detention and maybe even later prison, you know. But the school systems are definitely pushing a lot of our children out of school and into prison Mm -hmm. or into the justice system in one form or another. So we also have to keep in mind – you know, investigating those behaviors and where they're coming from, like Peter was saying, you know. And are they really problems, you know, because I had teachers, I remember being in school, and I had teachers that considered me a problem. What was my problem? My problem was I sometimes had ways of questioning or challenging information that I was, I was being, brought, you know, confronted with in the classroom. 
And when my mother would attend the parent-teacher conferences, it was always funny because she would always get to the bottom of what it was that they had a problem with. And then most of the time the problem was is that they were challenged by mm. a child. And so. I, think that, I think that's great when a child has the cognitive ability to ask a challenging question. That is a yeah. gift. And unfortunately, that's a gift that's so many times stifled. And I like the point, and I thought it was a key point that you brought up, Raina, and that is, you know, teaching that child how to process what's being given to them, that you have to take that into consideration. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm loving this conversation. You guys are great. Uh, Thanks, Vita, for coming back on the line. Mm-hmm. I love your question. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> is Kim still there? Kim, are you still on the line? Are you just chilling? Yeah, I'm still there. I was on mute. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you are you gonna you can join us in the conversation? What do you think, Kim? What do you think about all this? Throw in your two cents. I know you got something to say. <laughs> So I'm just going to reiterate what I said earlier. You know, I don't believe that children should be abused in any capacity because I also want people to understand it's not just the physical abuse. Um, there are some children that have never been touched physically. They've been emotionally and psychologically abused as well. And depending on the situation, in some cases, that's even more harmful than the physical abuse. I mean, abuse is abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, so there is no hierarchy to it. However, again, I feel that children should be extended the same rights as adults um, regarding certain situations. And in this country, in too many cases, the children are viewed as the parent's personal property, and like they said in the chat room, sometimes as an extension of that parent, and and that's unfair. Mm Mm-hmm. It is important to let that child know that they are an individual. They yeah, have their right. own thinking, their own exactly. opinions. And yet yeah. people want to, a lot of parents want to make carbon copies. Yeah. I know my my dad was very guilty of that, and that's why I mean him clashed when I was coming up, especially in my mm. teenage years, because right. I wanted to be independent. I wanted my own thoughts. I didn't want to, and little did I know, that, you know, when it came to religion, you know, it's like, this isn't for me. You know, at, at a subconscious level, I was feeling out, this isn't for me. I think this is hogwash. But my dad was like, no, this is going to be part of your life and blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, so I, I wanted to say, I was going to say, I was going to add to what Tim was saying, and I was going to say that um, that it, I agree with you, Tim, and, and, and sort of along those lines, I was just thinking about how, you know, a lot of people take, um, you know, believe in that old sort of cliche that children should be seen and not heard, you know, and, you know, I, I think that that just, it, it's, it's really, it's a really detrimental sort of mindset to think of children as just being sort of decorative, you know, that right. they should be seen and they, they don't yeah. need to express themselves in any way, shape or form. I mean, some parents don't even like their children to ask why, you know what I mean? Like, right. why are we doing something? And as I understand it, sometimes you're not able to answer that question in the moment. You know what I mean? I don't deny that you're, there's a moment where you can't necessarily 
stop and give that child an answer, or maybe you don't know why you're doing a particular thing. But if you could at least sit and, uh, you know, take a second and say, you know what, I will get back to you on that. You know what yep. I mean? That is certainly better than a backhand or, you know, a shut mm-hmm. up or don't question me or right. whatever, you know? Right. And also, I wanted to uh, throw this in there. One of the key things, and my, my parents are perfect. I'm gonna, I'd like to say for you, my own examples. But like one of the things my father did that I would say was effective is, if I disagreed with him, he we would talk about it. It was never, I won't say never, but there. Were, I mean, when it came to religion, we that was definitely that was definitely a shut down conversation. But there was something else he said that I disagreed with, or he wanted us to do that I disagreed with. I'd bring it up. And we talk about it. He'd ask me key questions, and I have to answer them. He tried. He was very Socratic in his method, you know, and and okay. that to me was one of the most effective ways that I I learned growing up. In fact, I struggled in in school a lot because I didn't have that type of environment. It was very much regurgitation. He learn this and memorize it and spit it back out at me. Whereas I, where my father kind of raised me in a in a way where I would ask. Uh, when he would ask me questions, I'd have to answer them and vice versa, and that's how we, that's how I learned. And the other thing I wanted to say was that, you know, it's also important that we choose our language carefully in working with children. So I had to stop saying words like good and bad with kids. And the reason is because even no matter how nicely you flower it, even though you don't mean that the child is bad, they still internalize I'm bad. When you say what you did was bad, some reason kids in their mind, oh, I'm bad. I'm a bad person, or, this, or or my parent or my adult figure or my guardian thinks I'm a bad person. So I'm always careful about good and bad. I always try to say things, was that progressive, positive, was that helpful, did that get you what you needed, as opposed to you've been bad. And more than likely, if they've done something that I would consider to be a negative behavior, chances are it wasn't helpful for what they wanted to do in the first place, and we talk about it in those terms. Well, what were you trying to do? Well, I wanted to reach the cereal at the top of the refrigerator, okay, that wasn't safe. Do you know why that's not safe? No. Well, you shouldn't pull a chair with wheels on it <laughs> in front of the refrigerator to get a box of cereal. <laughs> and this is why. If you're not, and, that, and so what I would do is I would dim stop, I wouldn't stand in the chair. Right. I wouldn't sit in the chair, but I'd show them how the chair would roll if they, and they'd fall off of it and how it would hurt them. And how that, and, chance, and if, if they've done it even before I got there and they were on the floor already hurting, what's the point? I don't have to hit them for doing it. They already got the punishment. They realize that. What they did wasn't helpful. So what is what is a better option for you if you know if if you want to get some cereal? What else could you do? Well, I could ask you. Yeah, you could just ask. <laughs> or if let's say I'm not here, or you want to here's a stepping stool, or maybe I'll you know what maybe I'll go buy buy you a stepping stool so that way you can get up on the refrigerator and get the cereal. Or how about I put the cereal in a position where you can get it so you're not gonna uh to hop on top. Or of how about you just ask for cereal when you want it? I mean, I said that first. Yeah, I'm but sorry. Yeah, to, I'm sorry to hear that. I apologize. My bad. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, why don't you just ask? Or whatever the options are. I mean, maybe it's someone who's a kid that's a little bit older with a little bit shorter. So they 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 made us, you know, they got the chair with the wheels on it as opposed to, hey, I mean, talk to my guardian or na- na- for me it was nanny about getting a stepping stool so that way I can reach things. So we can have that conversation as opposed to you don't grab cereal without this or whatever. You talk to them. Some, and some kids are, might be old enough to say, you know what, I want some cereal. Let me go pour me a bowl of cereal <laughs> as opposed to I want to always bug someone about me getting cereal or whatever the case is. It's a matter of, like I said, looking at the whole picture. 
And I know my son, I had to work on his confidence. He'd get mad at me and say something. He'd always say it under his breath and mumble it. <laughs> and I'd say, speak up. What did you say? Speak up. And then once you see it clearly enough for me, I would say, okay, that's how you speak your mind. Now. And then I would come on with other times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, at least you let him speak his mind. And that's the other thing, too. It's like your, your children have a right to think what they're going to think. And not everything exactly. that they're going to think about you is going to be positive. You know, just like everything you're going to think about your child is not going to be positive. So sometimes you just have to be in a place where you just you can just accept that that's how they feel. Like I remember my aunt um, when she was alive having conversations with my cousin about like, okay, so what did you think about what mommy did? And like she was saying, she was like, I don't like that mommy did that. I think that was bad. You know what I mean? And sometimes she would just have to say, okay, but mommy's in charge. You know. And mm-hmm. this is just how mommy is going to do it, you know. And that's not to say that that was necessarily the best way to handle it, but at least she was able <laughs> to listen to her child say <laughs> that she didn't approve of what had just happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, sometimes, what was so weird for me? What was so weird for me when I was growing up? Um, as religious, uh, you know, you had to go to church every Sunday, Sunday school, all that stuff. But when I graduated from high school, I told my parents, I'm not going back to church. And I didn't get no lip. And it was the weirdest thing, you know. I I didn't get no lip from them or anything. And I was surprised. I was really shocked, you know, uh, as, you know. And, but I grew up asking questions like, you know, and, I could see some things wasn't exactly like I thought it was supposed to be in church, you know. And I would talk to my mom, you know, and even though she said, oh, girl, you know, and sometimes she would even say I was evil, right, you know, and stuff. But when I said, they didn't give me no lip. Yeah. I was weird. I wish I would have got that. No lip when I said, I'm not going back there. That would have been lovely. I wish I was in your shoes, but oh well. Oh, I have another point. I just realized I thought of another. I'm sorry, Susita. I, I, I think of stuff as I'm sitting there listening to you guys. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I wanted to point out, I should really just make write a book on this, but I really think I'm good. So anyway, <laughs> one of the things I want to say is also not just about teaching them what not to do, it's just what you want them to do instead. So some, a lot of times forget that part of what will be the alternative. So, for an example, one of the kids I would uh, – this happened more than once, and I have kids who would miss their parents when their parents would leave, maybe with me for however long, might be a week or whatever, the parents would leave, and uh, not even just a week, might be that day. And uh, the pa- the kids were about four or five years old, they'd be upset, maybe hysterical or whatever. And I have one little boy, he would open the door and run outside. I mean, he would jet mm-hmm. outside looking for them. And of course, you know what I what I knew from what one of his cousins and older relatives had told me, uh, cousins and um, some other relatives that were older had told me that yeah he does that he always runs out the house and we you know and they were whipping him for it because but the, I, that's when I realized so when is he running out of the house and they were like whenever his, after his parents leave he thinks he can do whatever he wants he just runs out the house like he can just do whatever he wants and I realized okay I was like well if he's doing every time that they leave. 
That might not be just because they're not here. Maybe he misses them. So when I when I finally uh, had my one-on-one with him and I realized he was leaving, and I would say, what are you doing outside? He's I'm looking for my parents. I'm going to come back. <laughs> you know? And I, and no one else yeah. ever asked him except me. No one. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so what are we going to do? So, unfortunately, you can't just run out the house, and here's the reason why. We talked about what are some reasons why he couldn't be outside without permission or without supervision. And so we talked about that. Then it went from that to, Okay, so you miss your parents, and I understand that. What is what are some things that we can do to make you feel a little bit better? Because they have to go to work or whatever wherever they were going. And he said, okay. Well, I was well, we, I pulled out some crayons and some different construction paper, different things. I said, you know, when they come back and you miss them, you can write them a letter or write them a card. And when they come home, you can get it to them. Guess what? They never had a problem with him running out of the house ever again. Not with me anyway. I don't know what other, I don't know some of the other uh, cousins and relatives that watched him did. But when I had him, he never ran out of the house because I realized what the problem was. He didn't know what else to do with his emotions. Right. Right. Right, and and that's and that's part of um and again as you said you can teach them what to do but you can also like I've said before model the behavior if you want your kids to learn how to cope with stress you know find ways of dealing with stress effectively yes. yourself maybe you don't want your your kids to see that every evening when you're coming home from work stressed out that you're drinking you know what I mean maybe you'll start a hobby you know what I mean maybe you'll play with them maybe you'll do something else you know or maybe you know you'll you know, write in a journal or something, show them through your own behavior or help them work through what they would, what they think is right. You know, you don't necessarily have mm-hmm. to tell them, but you can help them work out what at least would be in a more effective alternative than what they might have done before or, you know, the thing that you're trying to get them to stay away from, you know? Right. So, And, and music is really good, too. One of the things I learned Kids really respond to music. If you make it fun, you play something fun. Like one of my favorite songs to play is "Shining Star" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. And we and I we dress, I have the kids dress. Let's have multiple children. A lot of times you have you know two three kids at a time, and you you know you dress them up. You say, "Why don't we get dressed up?" We put on some silly clothes and we listen to "Shining Star" and we shout the words and we sing them. And that make that's a lot of times that reduce a lot of the anxiety of their parents leaving because they realize, hey, they're gone, but we can have fun at the same time. So it's, it's a matter of looking for things that are going to create that positive energy. And I think music is one of those great ways to do that. Me and my boys were the oh. three musketeers. <laughs> That's what we called ourselves, the three musketeers. I know with, mm-hmm. with me was Batman. Dad, I'll be Batman and you'll be Bane. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So I just looked down at him. I laughed and laughed. Okay, let's go. Or one day he was like, "Okay, Dad, let's go out with our girlfriends." Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I knew <laughs> other parents would have frowned on that, but I looked at him. He was like, "He just said let's go out with the girlfriend." So I started to model behavior of what you could do out on a date. So I said, "Well, you know, let's just do this and let's do that, and we'll go see, you know." And that was that was helpful. That was very effective. Also, another thing that you guys were saying about, you know, Three Musketeers and Batman and Bane, you have to play with your kids. You have to spend time with your kids. Like, if you're going to have children, spend time with them. You know what I mean? Learn them. Mm -hmm. Get conversations. Play with them. You know? Don't be afraid to put on the silly hat or the crazy crazy. 
Yeah. Don't be the don't be a dad afraid to play dolls with your kid. You know, my dad used to play dolls with me for you know, yeah. and, and, and and I'm not scared. My father wasn't perfect, but he definitely there were certain things that I definitely uh, draw from, and one of the things he. He played with me. When I was little, he would play dolls. And if, if, if he didn't want to play dolls with me, he would have me do something that he wanted to do. He taught me, because my dad at the time was studying karate when I was really young. So he taught me karate. I, I knew how to do all the different moves. and I was probably doing them all wrong, but the point was I was with my dad. I didn't care. <laughs> you right. Know? right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's important. It's, it's important to spend time with your kids and to... Form, form those bonds and to, you know, build confidence and, you know, tell your kids that they're in, that they're smart, that they're important, that they matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes just the importance of hearing that will sometimes help a child that has problems, you know? Just mm-hmm. just knowing that there are people that love them and, and, and see them as, you know, worthwhile individuals, you know? So yeah, I, I, I think, think sometimes parents forget how they were when they were younger, mm-hmm. you know. I think, yeah. you know, and and what the kids are doing today are like ten times more than what we were doing, you know. And, and I think that, you know, you need to keep your eyes wide open, your ears wide mm-hmm. open when you're raising kids, you know, um, because they're just like we were. I mean, I don't see no different, you know what I'm saying. Um, they'll get, try to get away with things just like we did. You know, and you need to explain it to them. I remember um, when they were like, my boys was like um, 11 and 12. And um, at my job, we had some nurses to come over, um, and they brought their condoms and everything like that. I grabbed two handfuls and came home. Oh, Mom, we don't do nothing like that. I said, I know you don't, but if you do, and I don't want you to, but if you do, use these, you know. And um, I you know, I had a friend that said, why you do that? You know, but I knew what was happening out there, you know, everywhere. You know, you got kids now, they get into um, having sex real, real young. And I kind of wanted to school them. Or when they told me we don't do nothing like that, that tells you right there they knew. They said, "Well, what are these, Ma? You know." So they already knew what these things were. You know, at that that young age, you know. Yeah, and I don't five. think people, you know, I don't think people really think forget they forget who they was a kid. You're right. You're yeah. right. I know at five, I had my first talk about drugs with my boy. And mom, I won't get into that. I said to him, I said, look, I don't know if this is ever going to happen to you or not, but at some point somebody's going to ask you to do things because it's going to make you feel a certain way, they're going to tell you. I need you to be strong enough to resist that. You know, we'd have just little conversations, and as he got older, the conversations would get a little bit more sophisticated. Whenever he had the question or if I saw him looking at something a certain way, You'd have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's important because you don't want them. Some folks, they feel that, oh, okay, we'll have a conversation when, when the kids are in their teen years. It's too late. Right. Yeah, too late. exactly. You've got yeah, you to start as early as possible. As soon as they start asking questions, as soon as they're curious, that's 
when the teacher appears. And, and I don't just, know, but so they're even curious, honestly. I mean, especially when it comes to uh, talking about sex, because at some point you have to get the child comfortable enough with talking about their body with you. You yep. know what I mean? If you're going to really have, be able to make sure that no one's harming them. You know, because some That's of these right. kids who are being abused, they don't even have the language right. to tell That's you right. what's being done to them. They don't know that there's not somebody, like, they don't know how to tell you there's someone touching me in a place that makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't know how to say that. They don't, or, or maybe no one told them that they're not supposed to be touched down there. You know what I mean? So you have to make, you have these conversations with them very early and talking about, and using the correct words, you know what I mean? Don't don't refer to it as hoo-ha and, <laughs> you know, with all the things. <laughs> Call it a penis. Call it a vagina. That's right. Yeah. You know? That's right, because I know with my, important. I know with my boy, we uh, we started giving it the names, and then as he was much older, I'd say, well, hey, Dad, I heard. Yeah, that's what it is, too. Yep, you're right. We can have another <laughs> conversation. You know what I think is so, so terrible? <laughs> it was this preacher, right? You know, um, uh, a friend of mine told me she was visiting at this church down here, big church, and the young girl came in. She was pregnant, right? She was like a teenager. Do you know that, you know that preacher told her to get out of church, you know, in front of everybody. I thought that was so cold. My friend walked out to church with some other people. <laughs> they just completely walked out. I mean, it, the, the audacity, oh, that was so bad. You know, here you got, you know, because one thing I think uh, churches don't, don't they, they have the audience, enough people, that they ought to talk about these things. You know, just don't assume <laughs> The kids are not going to do anything. I mean, this is, we're talking about life, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. then to put her down like that. Oh, right, man, yeah, that's you, not good. That's right. not good. That's, no, it's not. And I, I, when I was in the ministry way back when, um, one particular church I'll talk about um, that I attended, and I was on their ministry board, and it was a young lady, um, part of the youth department, and she was pregnant. And for the most part, most of the people didn't say anything about it. They just ignored her and ignored the situation. There were a few busybodies that, you know, attempted to um, badmouth her or defame her character. And then there were other ones that basically, because she was being raised by an aunt. And so they basically, they didn't blame the child. They started blaming the adult that was raising the child. And I was sitting there and looking at them because no one offered the young lady any help. And she was in high school, and so I would sit down and talk with her because we would be there all day Saturday preparing for Sunday. And I would sit down and talk with her, and she was telling me that she was still in school. Of course, I was interested in that and knowing how her grades were and what her career aspirations were. And I would sit there and I would talk to her. And, you know, she had not prepared for her ACTs. And so I went out and bought a book with CD-ROM that she could load the program onto her computer, and I encouraged her to continue in school to study up for her ACT, referred her to a couple of programs that could help her prepare for the ACT as well as help her get scholarships and help her kind of get one part of her life together to help with the child. And do you know those people got mad at me because they said I was condoning 
with her, you know, um, having a child out of wedlock. I was condoning her having sex. And then they got even angrier when I said, well, all of you all are screwing each other. Yeah. Well, you think we don't know what happened? Yeah. 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 And and that woman is why we love Kim. (laughs) She is not afraid to tell the truth. Thank you. So many many Christians, they want to be the first to complain about something, but Mm -hmm. they want to be the last to actually be part of the solution. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They pick it too. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is the issue. Okay, she had the child out of wedlock. There's nothing you can do now. The baby's here. So what can we do to be progressive and step forward so both can be productive? They don't want to talk about that. And, Kim, when you go and point that out to them, that that must have really got their ego because they knew they were wrong. They knew they were wrong, and they were mad because they should have done what you did. And that's some hogwash. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was easier for them to be self-righteous and to expel her rather than to, you know, help her in her situation, which, if you read the Bible, is what Jesus would have done. Exactly. But, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So. So, and, and, again, what I keep on seeing in my uh, news feed <laughs> on Facebook is how so many agnostic, atheist, non-believers, they knew the Bible better than most churchgoers. That's right. Well, that's part of why they just gave Jesus two chapters. Yeah. Everything yeah. else is, is somebody else, you know? Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's a whole lot of commentary and very little Bible reading, for sure. But we, we're down to the last ten minutes, and so um, I thank everybody for offering their opinions on this topic. I... I just hope that everyone will think about spanking in a different way, you know, and at least it's like, at least if you don't want to give up spanking, fine. But at least, or not fine, not really, but not in my opinion, but <laughs> but at least explore some other options in terms of punishing and parenting your child. I think that you and your child will be the better for it. I really do. And um, with that, I just wanted to... Um, you know, talk. Uh, you know, give Kim the floor to make some announcements, and um, and then we'll say goodbye. So, Kim. All right. Well, again, you guys, thank you all for the support. We appreciate it. Um, go back and listen to the shows we had this week. We have an extensive archive. Wednesday, Carl and I we discussed what happened with the Supreme Court decisions not only with Voting Rights Act and Affirmative Action, and we briefly touched on DOMA and Prop 8, but we also talked about several other cases, um, uh, about the Maryland case, about um, Salinas. You know, we talked about a bunch of different cases regarding your civil rights and your civil liberties. We are encouraging everybody to start now to getting everything situated so that you're able to vote in the 2014 elections. That's the midterm, but not only for the federal government, but for your local elections as well. You know, we're encouraging people to get educated. Anyway, that was Wednesday's show. Thursday's show we had On Blast with Vita, and that was the decriminalization of marijuana. Excellent conversation, guys. Go and check that out. Friday, it was Carl and myself, and, and also Alfred, 
and we talked about the Trayvon Martin trial and scapegoating and victimization. Of course, we were unhappy with certain people's behavior regarding Ms. Chantel, but that's another story. Today, Raina Show, guys, if you missed the first half, make sure you get to the archives. Tomorrow, we will be talking about intersectionality in the free thought community. We're going to take another turn with that, but it should be an interesting and a good conversation. Tune in. Call in. I want the conversation. And next Sunday, we'll be talking about rape culture. So there you go. Oh, and we have a meeting from Black Monopoly in Chicago. Controversy all around. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be that's gonna be a lively conversation, rape culture for sure. But, hey, what, um, did you, what did you say, what did you say about the marijuana? Did what did you say? When, when was that the marijuana thing? Oh, that was on that Thursday. Was Thursday. That, that was, was Thursday. 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 Yeah. Okay. I I was yeah. at a, and you said you said you already got it on, so I can listen to it. Yeah, it's on the archives. <laughs> I wish I had gotten that. Because I want to see and somebody. Video on Blog Talk, just so y'all know. Um, but yeah, that should be a really great conversation. And and um, Sakivu, tell them about Sakivu, being on the, you know, look out for Sakivu on Aspire TV this summer. Right, Kim? Yeah, yeah she's going to be on Aspire TV. Um, on a show, and as information becomes available, we will uh, release it. But the name of the series, um, I believe it's, it's a, a series of talk shows. Um, I believe the name That's is Hale. Yeah, She's going yeah. to be on with BAM, also known as Pastor Beverly Crawford, and also Kelly Price. And Beverly Crawford ha- happens to be my favorite female gospel singer. So, of course, I'm excited about this show because we'll have, you know, Dr. Hutchinson and you know, maybe Kelly and Bam will sing. Of course, you know, I'm not even looking at the gospel aspect of it. I just want to hear them sing. But it should be a great show. As more information becomes available with a specific time, we will let you guys know about that. Also, we're still taking submissions for the abstract. So, again, I posted it before. I'll post it again today and next week as well. But the submission deadline is September 30th of this year. And it's just an abstract, less than 500 words. And for the anthology. So, again, we encourage you guys to, you know, take a look at that and submit your information. And also, Sativo will be in Atlanta the end of August um, with Peachtree um, Free Thought. I have to get the information. I don't have it available, so I apologize for that. But with Peachtree, Peachtree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. There's like, there's everybody who's been to Atlanta knows there's like a million peach trees in Atlanta. So <laughs> I was just joking about that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, this has been a great show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and calling in. Thank you to Emmeline. Thank you to Deborah. Um, sir, I forgot your name. I am so sorry. Can you say your hey, name again? Much. Oh, this is Nate. Nate. Yeah. Nate. I apologize. Robert, Vita, um, thank you guys so much for calling in. Um, we appreciate you. And um, I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And I uh, hope you guys in another two weeks. Um, I would like. I would say my topic, but if it's not my topic in two weeks, I don't want y'all throwing shade at me, so I'm going to just keep it to myself. And just look at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look at it. next week, 
So let me go ahead and announce for next week. Next Wednesday, the breakbeat, um, they'll have their show subject to be announced. Next Friday, the M and Evil show is going to be a, a rebroadcast. So we're going to rerun the show. I think we're going to do the triple O. And Emmeline will be debating on another um, blog talk show, so we're going to go over and support her. But we're also going to rerun Omnipotent, Omniscient, um, Omnipresent. So that should be an excellent, that was an excellent show. So if you missed it the first time, don't miss it the second time. Okay, y'all, get ready for a murder. Hey, Raina, check your Facebook yeah. inbox. There was a question that you asked. Okay, no problem. But yeah, so you be on the lookout, um, you know, because Emily, Emily may need some witnesses, you know. <laughs> well, we'll be, we'll be there to back her up. Emily knows we got her back, so we're gonna just flood the line. So she she's good. Emily doesn't need to be backup though. But I'm ready. I'm ready to. I'm ready to see that slaughter. That's gonna be interesting. But uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great week. Uh, Have a great Bye 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 Have a good one Alright bye 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 Hello it is Ryan And I was on a flight the other day Playing one of my favorite social spin slot games On ChumbaCasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me And you know what they were doing They were also playing Chumba Casino Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.